Hi, uh, my name's Dan Adius. I was the director of this episode number six in season four. And I'm Bill Zorzi. I'm a writer uh, on the staff of The Wire and um, I guess some sort of uh, political expert, uh, having written for years uh, for the Baltimore Sun on the subject of politics. This opening is very interesting. It's kind of a little condensed version of how important the church is in this community. We're seeing three different churches and two candidates going to each of their, three candidates going to each of their respective churches to kind of put in an appearance to kind of, uh, you know, consolidate their base. And here we see uh, Randy going to his little storefront church, all of, all of which is meant to kind of comment on each other and contrast. This is, this is one of the largest churches in Baltimore. This is Frank Reed's church, the AME church, which it has a real has a service that's televised, I believe, Bill. Isn't that right? Every Sunday that this is actually broadcast. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure about the uh, televised, but I know he sends out recordings of it uh, all over the world. He has uh, it's Bethel AME in right. uh, West Baltimore. It's, it's a huge congregation. And and uh, Carcetti, who's uh, is obviously a candidate, is making an appearance here, trying to shore up or, or create support within the African American community. And uh, one little note here, I think, is kind of fun is. Uh, it was scripted that uh, Carcetti looks kind of foolish trying to clap his hands, uh, you know, with uh, with all these other people. And I think he did a pretty good job at that. Yeah. I'm not sure he was <laughs> acting there, actually. <laughs> Aiden. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a, there's a, some, lot of a lot of jive. Yeah, a lot of white people problems here. A lot of jive here. going on. Yeah. And this is uh, Candidate Gray going to a Roman Catholic church. Um, and we'll see uh, Royce as well going to a different di- different denomination. Right. These are um, on the Sunday before Election Day. Uh, this is always the big tour. And uh, as reporters, we would traipse around behind the uh, behind the candidates and sometimes even get involved in the prayer service, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I, I want to just say how great Frank Reed was. Uh, you know, a lot of this was a scripted sermon. He, he brought his own... Uh, uh, color to it and just did a great job and these are are his real congregants they all supported the wire filming here and it was just a great experience making it everybody was they're very proud of this church and and uh, and of their faith and they all it was just a wonderful wonderful experience making it and the last take on uh, on Reverend Reed uh, he just kind of cut loose and and it was it was really phenomenal being there yeah he he uh, I've heard him preach many times for real and it's um He's dynamite. Yeah, and and what's happening here is he's giving a kind of meta message. He's is his sermon is is directed pointedly uh, at Carcetti, saying, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to uh, solicit the support, the advice of of those uh, of those of us, or are you going to be on your own? So there's kind of a little wry look from Carcetti, understanding the the uh, the point. Right, and in in a city that's sixty five to seventy percent African American, such endorsements are or semi endorsements or close to endorsements are, are vital. Right, and in the next scene, right after this, he's going to walk out and he's going to make a reference to uh, Reverend Reed that uh, you know he's being held to a kind of high standard, being compared to Jesus <laughs> or Moses, I think it was. Right, and here's Royce glad handing uh, his constituents. Right. Notice the uh, African uh, uh, print on his tie, I might add. Very nice detail, yeah. Tell us hello. 
fellowship committee. This is the moment. I now, this is uh, Melvin Williams. Melvin, yeah, the deacon, who maybe we'll talk about a little later. Yeah, I'm not sure if he makes another appearance in this episode. You know, that's a good point. He's... Uh, He's a real member of the, I mean, he, he has a very colorful past. Uh, he, he, Bill, maybe you could just kind of say a little bit about that, but he is also a member of this, uh, of this congregation. Right. He was um, one of the, uh, well, uh, one of the largest uh, heroin kingpins in the uh, city of Baltimore. Um, Who was arrested by Ed Burns. He was. And, uh, uh, you know, Ed put him away from for many, many years, and when Melvin reemerged, uh, he and Ed uh, renewed contact and uh, have, I believe, become pretty good friends. Yeah, they've uh, gotten very close since he's been out. So um, it's kind of one of those curious twists. And here we have the title sequence. Right, which uh, the theme song for the show is a Tom Waits song, Down in the Hole. Uh, the first season that was recorded by the Blind Boys of Alabama. Then the second season, Tom Waits himself uh, sang it. Third season was the Neville Brothers. And this season with some local Baltimore singers, a group called uh, Dimaggi. Right. And that's a little the little shot of uh, the policeman. That's Robert Colesbury, who very sadly passed away after the second season, I think. But he's kind of memorialized in this credit sequence. He was, uh, there, was a, there was a wake for him on the show. And An episode, it, or season three, right, I guess. Right. Um, he played Detective Cole, actually, in the homicide unit. We should uh, mention, I think, that uh, this episode uh, was written by Eric Overmeyer. Right. Um, Did a beautiful job and shot there by Russell Fine. Um, just the technical crew on this whole show is just great. I mean, we referenced the touch of that wardrobe, the tie, and, and you know, they just, everybody just does such a wonderful job here. Yeah. They, uh, it's a great, great crew, great crew, and cast. Yeah. Um, I know people say that stuff like that all the time, but we really mean it this time. Yeah. <laughs> And I just think it's such a shocking injustice that, uh, you know, that the cast and and actually the crew as well have just not been recognized. When award, award time comes around with the Emmys, they really uh, are about the best there is, I think. Right. This, is, uh, this sequence is uh, surveillance on Marlowe's lair, and it's kind of a humorous, this is kind of a little humorous sidebar. The guys are trying to uh, catch him out, you know, her kind of things, always thinks he's smarter than he is and is going to catch this guy and of course he's totally played by Marlo they're, they're completely aware of uh, the fact that there's a surveillance camera and uh, I think there's a lot of humor in this uh, whole sequence Right, it was uh, I, I think in the preceding, there was an, a little piece in the preceding episode where he's on film sort of imitating what he's seeing, it's Right. Pretty outrageous, actually. This is the African American Museum in Baltimore that had just opened when we filmed it, and Carcetti is campaigning. That I think it's just the day before the uh, the election, and he's frustrated. You know, the episode obviously is going to end with Carcetti being elected, so we tried to create a misdirection here, uh, and this is going to introduce that. Here he's frustrated that he's not able to speak. This lady he just spoke with doesn't even live in the city. So he's frustrated. There's Reg Cathy. I love Reg. Does a great job. Aiden does a great job. And uh, the misdirection here we set up is that Royce has put out this slanderous, uh, uh, false accusation that he was affiliated with the slum. That's a doctored photograph. And and what we really tried to do, I, I really hoped to do, was create a total conviction in Carcetti that this was this had blown the election for him. 
so that we at least created some tension when uh, when it turns out that he won. It's, it can be somewhat unexpected. Right. It was sort of an interesting thing to me that uh, campaigns uh, do keep uh, printers on standby uh, to, to counter such uh, uh, anonymous uh, body slams that, right. as, as uh, the, the folks are ha- ha- holding on to there. Right. Now, I, I have to tell you, I, I love this character of Delanda, Sandy, oh, Sandy yes. McCree. Oh, I do she too. did such a great job. She's such a nice, nice lady, and she's so such an outrageous <laughs> bitch in this. Yeah, this is she and Naaman going to uh, uh, see Brianna to ask for uh, more money, that they're being supported as their husband and father, Wee Bay's in jail. This is now back to the sequence where Marlo... This is all an act, and I, I loved this. How these guys, Benga and, and Jamie, Marla, Marlo, and uh, Chris, are are acting here. I mean, Marlo is like playing straight to the camera, speaking right into it, understanding that uh, the people surveilling him are gonna th- are gonna get a message, and they're setting him up, which will be paid off later. It was kind of hard for it. There's a cut of Chris kind of suppressing a laugh, and uh, I thought that was typically wonderful. Wire subtlety. Tomorrow night. Yeah, and this is all being captured on film. And There's TV. Chris kind of like trying to hold on. By the way, it was snowing that day, and this was not supposed to be it in the snow. It snowed the day before, and you could just get a little sense of. We did the crew did an amazing job cleaning up a huge area of snow. Seems a little yeah. frosty for a September yeah, right. September primary. Right. Here's the uh, uh, sequence where they have a someone who can read lips and getting the uh, important message that the skinny girl is arriving on a train. What time I got to pick up the skinny girl? <laughs> These guys think they're so smart. I do it. Well, Don't there, want nothing to go wrong. Sitting there quite wisely Maybe speaking of a girlfriend? questions whether, you know, Marla would pick up a package on his own. It just right. doesn't Sid, ring Sid true. Is, yeah, clearly Sidnor uh, is a lot, is, at least those his limitations is a lot smarter that way than Herc. And here is, here is again that misdirection, that Carcetti is so exercised that uh, it's it. It's over in his eyes. And these guys are the seasoned pros, and uh, they probably have their concerns as well, but their, their main concern is keeping the candidate calm. So Reg is making jokes and Carcetti trying to defuse the situation and Carcetti ain't buying. Go to that donor's dinner tonight. There's a little tip of the hat in this. Uh, I have to mention it to uh, the photo uh, uh, librarian of the Baltimore Sun, uh, Paul McArdle. Um, uh, Norman, the character, uh, says he's going to go check out the photos. If there is one, he'll find it. There's no more money coming in. No more business. Let me just say here, this uh, Michael Hyde, who plays Brianna, just does such a beautiful job. And this is the way this I shot this was to really make this a message that Brianna was delivering to Naaman, that we did a kind of complimentary push-ins on Naaman and Brianna so that she's really delivering a message to him. She doesn't want him to come back at her. She wants it very clear that while she's cutting him off, it was, it was uh, you know, they had done a lot and that he's now, this is, this is now his turn to pass the torch, to receive the torch. He's got to step up. The thing is, I wanted you both to hear it from me. She's great. Yeah. From here on in. 
She even paid enough over the last two years. We're probably not supposed to be watching the episode. Yeah, right? no, it's fun. It's nice. And, you know, the whole season is really about and, and one of the wonderful stories is Naaman, kind of, his his story arc. And here he's receiving this information and he's how he's uh, able in some ways and not able in others to play the role is, is kind of a fascinating storyline. There's Ed Norris, the uh, former commissioner of uh, the police department of Baltimore City. Um, speaking with uh, Detective Greggs. Norris does a, does a very, for a non-actor, uh, does a very good job. Oh, yeah. And here's how the police, we see, have to be aware of all the political fallout from anything they do. Some of them care, some of them don't. Maybe get you on the 11 o'clock news, get a little payback for the shit they put you through. And again, this is this is furthering that note that Carcetti is just feeling like it's over. Some African American neighborhood. What seemed to be a secure lead for the incumbent mayor has evaporated in recent days. The latest son. There the um, the Royce signs, which uh, he switched his colors to the uh, African uh, sort of what I call the Marcus Garvey colors on his uh, campaign literature to sort of rally the uh, rally his base. We try to make a point just to just to plaster these uh, these campaign uh, posters all over wherever we saw anything. They should just be, they were just supposed to be splattered everywhere, which I understand is pretty typical of races in Baltimore. Right. They grafted my puss onto some perp walk shot on the courthouse. A rare quiet moment between uh, Carcetti and his wife. A nasty business. Royce is swearing he had nothing to do with it. Claims I think this is the first time he he realizes that it's even though he, he might be in trouble, it, he might not be in trouble. Right, right, right. He's starting to. I mean, he, he always regarded this as something of a pipe dream to be a white man to be elected mayor of Baltimore, and he's he's begun to taste it, which is what embitters him about maybe not, maybe losing this way. I think we get a real view into, you know, hopefully into the, the, the passion he assumes office with. He, he really starts as an idealist. And we do hear that in you a, in a scene coming up, actually. <laughs> Here's a very funny, frightening scene of this kind of horrible mother just kind of, you know, telling her son, who's temperamentally ill-suited for this, to really step up and be a real tough gangster type. And he calls her on the uh, the little bit of uh, talkback he gives her, questioning, you know, what Brianna said about how maybe she went through the money too fast. She just turns. Hand me the damn phone. When she calls her husband Weebay, <laughs> we'd hope to convey that Weebay's heard this before. I mean, Weebay is, uh, he gets it. He gets it that this can't be an endless spigot. It's just sort of a hysterical scene of yeah. uh, a yeah. long-suffering husband oh, right. who happens to be a killer. <laughs> yes, dear. Trying to indulge his uh, his wife. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. I love how the seasons, you know, bring back characters that really maybe not be cru crucial to the, to the current season, but keep keep alive their presence. 
this is election day, and this is uh, early in the morning. We had to we actually shot this at dusk. We were lucky to get a little bit of that sky lit, so that it suggests that it's you know maybe five in the morning. To the office. As Reg has come to get Carcetti to. And he's upset that Carcetti is kind of off on his own because he can't trust the decisions he'll be making on his own. And given that, we still have a shortage of... And here is the real Jay Landsman um, <laughs> playing a lieutenant in the uh, Western District. And um, he has he has perhaps the best Baltimore accent in the entire show. <laughs> and here we're introducing that, uh, you know, we know from the past that... Uh, Marlowe wants to get Omar, and he set up this Omar to be arrested for this killing that Omar didn't commit. And and uh, McNulty is the one person who just says, this doesn't figure, this is not Omar's profile. But the rest of the police are just delighted to have somebody to pin it on, and they just want the numbers, the arrest, and they don't like Omar anyway, so they're happy not to question him. You want to find Omar Little? You look for a corner boy running away from a corner with shit. There's the former detective, Michael Sanangelo. Um, he's back in uniform in the uh, driving the uh, wagon in the western McNulty who always marches to his own drummer you know he's he doesn't want to arrest someone and just for a record he, he respects who Omar is Jesus Tommy it's been a couple hours going over the latest data rearrange the schedule Tommy a little bit of knowledge the birth of hope here again maybe we can win Tony but still have a high undecided I think we can pick up some votes in those, those people hate the mayor you and this this leads to the line that every episode has a line that was uh, I'm not sure if this if this is the line that uh, is on the cover of the script it is what is it don't try this at home don't try this shit at home <laughs> don't try this shit at home due respect to your early morning analysis we got three Back-to-back. Back, this character, Norman Wilson, I, I just have to say this, is based on a, uh, a very close friend of mine who was a, an editor at the Baltimore Sun and passed away at a, at a frightfully young age. And um, Reg really never knew him, but captures him pretty well. And everybody in The Wire is, seems to be based on, either played by someone who's real or based on someone who's real. Uh, yeah. Here's a very touching kind of storyline how, uh, how Jim Trufost, uh, Prez, you know, is looking after uh, this kid who's just, you know, no one cares about him at all. He always comes to school smelling because he can't take a bath, and he's the one guy who's showing some interest in him. And you, you find these kids in, in the schools. Um, this is not... Uh, a rare thing. He also uh, sees that Dookie, this this boy, is is really talented, really smart. I mean, to give, given any opportunity, he could, you know, be wildly successful in this world. But, you know, he's got so many disadvantages. Uh, this is... Uh, the fallout of an earlier scene. Um, yeah, this is actually leading to... I love how little things just have uh, ripple effects that can be huge. I mean, this leads to something huge that's key to the whole season. But, you know, the way uh, Naaman and his friends diss this young girl who they had had sex with uh, recently is going to lead... Uh, and the other two had, yeah. Uh, she then, we'll see, turns on them and embroils Randy and basically what leads to his demise. Here's another wonderful little glimpse in the politics of the uh, police department. Sir, 
How these guys have to be worried about whoever is going to be mayor they want a good relationship with, and they don't. They, the worst thing that could happen is if somebody got elected that perceived them as having uh, worked against them. One day before the primary, our detectives were trying to rid out a jailhouse snitch. So good police work uh, is the victim here. Right, he's not rewarded <laughs> once again. Exactly, sir. Sergeant, fuck your falling. John, John Doman plays as Rawls plays such a such a son of a bitch. Oh, he's phenomenal! Yeah, he's, show these third world fucks how it's done. And Landsman uh, Delaney Williams is just phenomenal. How he counterpoints these two. I love these two together. And Carcetti could win. I see your point. There's also a great little touch here that I don't know how many people notice, but we see Rawls pick up this girly magazine. And in un typically subtle style, the wire in one shot established that, that Rawls is gay. Just by having him in a gay bar in the previous season, uh, having nothing to do with the scene. I think they, the people were looking for Omar, and as they walked out there with Rawls. So here's Rawls trying to keep up the appearance of being straight just by picking up a magazine in which he has no interest. Yes, sir. Could have been investigating something. <laughs> is some very good news for all of you. Uh, and here's the grand experiment. Yeah, and this is really interesting. I mean, it, it, to me, it's it's resonant from the previous season, the setting up of uh, Hamsterdam, because it's uh, doing something that's politically incorrect, but maybe in some ways advisable and better. Uh, I mean, the whole idea of legalizing drugs while it led to some nightmarish scenes might, you know, it, it might make sense to consider it, but of course that could never happen. And here, too, the idea of segregating the students who were difficult, who were ruining the experience with the other students, um, is an idea that's tried in this season, but it, too, falls by the wayside because of uh, all the wrong considerations. Right. Why would I want to get into bed with that grasping motherfucker? One of the reasons uh, that, that that actually came about is when Ed Burns, who was uh, a writer-producer on the show, and partner of uh, longtime partner of David Simon with the Corner, and, and now this. When he was a teacher, after he was a homicide cop, he and a, a woman by the name of Vera Holly sort of launched a similar experiment in a middle school. He might be conning us, taking the money and then sitting on his hands. Here we see where Clay, who's just a great villain, God, Clay Davis is a great villain. Here they see that maybe he's going to turn and maybe he's going to hit them up for some money. And I love the way uh, Garchetti just kind of first hates the guy, but as soon as he sees that uh, there might be advantage, he says he starts saying, well, okay, we could do this, but we couldn't go that far. Turn upside down. Why you do that? Here's the classroom. I just loved working with these kids in the classroom. The kids were such great actors and... And uh, here's, here's where the, the troublemakers are being uh, isolated and, and removed from the classrooms, and we'll see where they're going to get uh, put in. Please, what we do, we in trouble? Just come with me. Shit, it's the story of my life. And Naaman goes off so self-pityingly. I love it. No. It's also unjust. Here's the enforcer, the assistant principal, uh, Toots Duval, is, uh, has... Uh, Arguably the second best Baltimore accent in the uh, in the show. Yeah, a nice touch here is that uh, the character Grace Sampson, with uh, coming under the assistant principal, was introduced the previous season when Cuddy got out of jail. He came to see his former flame, his former girlfriend, and it's she. So it's a nice callback to that, and it's interesting to see how she evolved, became a teacher. 
You know I can't publicly endorse I love this scene where uh, Clay is shaking down these two guys, and uh, <laughs> they can never be sure when he's kidding, even to the point when he says, okay, you're going to pick up the check. Right. They don't know. Uh, <laughs> he, he has a good laugh at their expense. My tickets for y'all. I split my walk around money. You know, the usual to and fro. <laughs> of course, characters like this don't really exist. <laughs> And the Court of Appeals, in a uh, decision a couple of years ago, actually legalized walk-around money on Election Day. Great. Let's order. I'm hungry enough to eat the horse you rode in on. If you don't mind, uh, we're a little busy for a sit-down lunch. Oh, no doubt. Just leave enough for the tab. <laughs> Clay is such a uh, character you love to hate. He's a very funny guy. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's to me one of the strongest scenes in the episode. This is where Randy, who's another example of a, such a talented, winning, endearing kid who, given any opportunity, could be a phenomenal success. Uh, he's got this terribly poignant no, situation crazy. where he's she been brought out of a home that's oh, nightmarish. He'll do anything not to go back there. And uh, he's shaken down here. He's worried that uh, his uh, adopted mother is going to find out about this minor infraction and send him back to... Uh, turns out to be a minor infraction because there was no rape, really, that happened. Uh, and in this one little moment, which we worked really hard on, he seals his fate. He, he's going to reveal that he knows about this murder. And there was, I love the way he did this one little catch in his throat when he's about to say, I know something else, I know about a murder. And it's like we tried to get that moment where he's, he's hesitant to say it, but he goes forward because of his own terror about his fate. But it's in that one moment that his tragedy is sealed when he becomes known as a snitch. I'll tell you everything I know about this. I know all about it already. No, but I know some other stuff. He's trying, to, he's trying his best he can. Don't call his stepmom. Don't call her. Right, he's trying to buy her off, basically. And finally, nothing works, and here it comes. Nothing's working. I know about a murder. There. I do. Hmm. Gets me every time. Because he knows he can be snatched away. The system can snatch him away from his foster mother. Right, right. He has no idea what it, what that just cost him. Now, here is the classroom. And what's interesting to me, I had uh, it was fun for me because the previous season I did the introductory scene at Hamsterdam and where Colvin, uh, the great Robert Wisdom, was, you know, he ran that operation. And I, I made a point of photographing this in the same way because the drug dealers were all in a circle where Colvin was kind of telling them what the uh, arrangement was that they were all going to have to get used to. And we kind of had circular dolly going around everybody. And I like the idea of being able to kind of just remind everyone of that kind of similarity here, that this is a similar kind of situation where, uh, you know, kids who are kind of, uh, you know, not the best behaved or being given an opportunity here in some unconventional way, and let's see what happens. The socialization process. It's going to make you ready. Ready for gen pop. This is prison, yo. Ready for gen pop. Right. That's the prison general population. That's good, son. This is just like that scene in Amsterdam the previous season. This is a hole up in here. So this is the next generation. He's a good kid. He really is. 
So now we continue with the story of Randy, and the principal goes to Prez, a cop, and who's really aware of the possible uh, ramifications this will have, and he cares a lot about the kids. Prez is a very touching character to me, and uh, you know he wants to do whatever he can to ensure that Randy's taken care of, and we'll see how that plays out. Here's the train station. Here's Marlowe's setup of Herc. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We shot, of course, at the real Baltimore train station. I think Russell Fine did a beautiful job lighting this with, with barely any time to do it. So we see Herc, thing, you know, sitting in the catbird seat thinking he's got this guy. All the while, it's a setup. Here comes Marlowe. Marlowe, who has no idea who he's going to pick off the train to go approach at this point. Stand by. You don't want to be in on the call? Herc has employed the Amtrak police here to do his dirty work. There, because, you know, we, we had to do that because in the previous, actually the second season, it was well established that Herc and Marlowe had had a face-off. So Marlowe can't see Herc there. He'll know right away that what's the problem. But, of course, unbeknownst to Herc, he already knows. Uh, here comes someone now. Yeah. <laughs> Sister. Hope you would get back. No, thank you. Don't be afraid. Why should I be afraid? Who are you? Yeah, this was great. This was, uh, I love how Marlowe's character can be uh, so chameleon-like. He can be so facile and he can have social graces when he needs them. And here comes his desired uh, effect. Or Herc. <laughs> and here's Perez talking to uh, Daniels. Uh, Daniels, yeah, Lance Reddick. And uh, where we see Perez's uh, awareness of uh, how important it is to safeguard this kid. He, Perez is always seeing the promise of these kids, which is uh, doesn't happen very often in this world. And we're really rooting for him. And, and Daniels is impressed by, you know, the force of Perez's, you know, desire to help. Carver? Ellis has come a long way. It's interesting. Carver is, uh, over the years on the show, Carver is really kind of developing, and Prez isn't sure that he's developed far enough along to entrust him with this. He's one of my students. Because they all work together yeah. in an earlier season. Yeah. Turns out his faith in Carver isn't misplaced. It's Carver's faith in Herc that undoes Randy. What? Nothing in that bag but ladies' clothes. Nothing dirty on either one of them. Here's Herc just not being able to make sense of this. From what he says, he was just a go-between. He delivered a message. So here's Carver, and here we see Randy, you know, isolated, just hoping against hope that his uh, adopted mom is going to not bring down the hammer. Well, I didn't do it, Miss Anna. I didn't do it. You'll see. School's going to look into that. We're going to look into this. As long as Randy cooperates, tells everybody the truth. But if word got out... Understand. And she's right to be worried, because we're going to learn in later episodes there's a terrible, terrible price to pay when word does get out. Go about his business. Child shown such bad judgment in both instances. Agreed. In this world, the worst thing you can do is cooperate with a policeman. Uh, now I think this is the election day. I think I misidentified it earlier. Right. So we see uh, right now, and this was kind of a fun little montage to set up 
of what what it's like on the day of the election. We see the, the you know the polls getting arranged, the cops kind of safeguarding it, protecting it, and we see Cuddy just you know who's kind of making up for lost time, having been in the uh, in jail, and he's kind of going through a series of. Uh, Affairs, One Night Stands, uh, which he's going to learn a lesson about later because his boys, particularly Michael, are going to be very upset Dennis? about this. But he's walking out on this uh, so this lovely woman with whom he had a one-night stand, and he just isn't ready yet to face the music. And what this is going to lead to is a jog through Baltimore, which is going to enable us to do a montage, which doesn't happen very often on The Wire, to really see the uh, Election Day doings. I've never understood, really how he can walk away from the woman. <laughs> we, all, we all were joking about that that day. And by the way, it's snowing outside there, so we didn't have the door open very long. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about what music to uh, put here. And we landed on uh, David Simon, landed finally on uh, Curtis Mayfield. I think it's a great choice. But here we see, you know, try to get a little vignette. Now, of course, all the mayor, all the candidates are kind of making appearances at their own polling booths and you know, photo opportunities. So we're seeing that. We'll see all three of them. Trying to see what happens now. There's going to be people stuffing uh, mailers in the mailboxes and for each of the candidates, all the activity. We're going to see how the young kids are paid to uh, do the same thing. Spread the campaign literature around. Here's the great Glenn Turman, just, just such a great political candidate. Quintessential. And again, the African print on this tie. Right, uh, and here, this. right, and here we see, you know, how the campaign workers have gone into the to the to the homes, convalescent homes, to go help the people into a bus to go vote. Here's our GOTV. Get out the vote. Very important. Right, right. Here now is the school, and this has become a polling booth. So we're going to see Randy and his stepmom, uh, adopted mom, kind of coming forward, and we're going to get another glimpse. Here's Spider who is upset at Cuddy because Cuddy had a one-night stand with his mother. And he's been avoiding Cuddy. He's one of the most promising boxing, boxers in Cuddy's gym, and he's been avoiding Cuddy, who doesn't get it yet. But in the course of this episode, he's going to understand that the boys are really angry at him. I think Michael's going to acquaint him with that. Randy is always entrepreneurial, looking to make a buck, is fascinated that he's getting paid to do this, and he's going to wind up getting the job. But here's Cuddy finishing his run. Puzzled why Spider's running off. Spider's Edward Green, whom I actually came across when I was researching uh, the schools uh, over at Lamel Middle School. And I've watched him grow up now. Move on, man. Cuddy's been in jail, so he can't vote because he has a felony. The guy was trying to find out, well, were you arrested for a felony or a misdemeanor? And Cuddy just says, get, get out of here. Where's the older kid? And here's where Randy's going to get his job. Shove one of those into every hand you can. I just want to say, by the way, Chad Coleman does a great job as Cuddy in um, both of these seasons, this and the previous one. <laughs> Here we see uh, Naaman just kind of zoning out on his video game and <laughs> Delonda coming in and again pressuring him to go to the corner, which he really doesn't want to do. Hey, what I say about stepping up? Brianna, turn off the faucet. You like your worst nightmare. We go see Bodie. Oh, poor Bodie, poor J.D. Williams. Yeah. A very funny scene. <laughs> Kid, got something else for you. 
I just love seeing how ambitious Randy is, how energetic he is. Again, all these qualities that, you know, ought to be rewarded in society, but they just aren't in this world. The, the guy makes the mistake, it turns out, of paying in advance. Uh, Randy would have, Randy would have uh, performed the duties, but we'll see later how the others don't. I'll come right home after. You right, you will. You ain't in these streets no more. No, ma'am. Now, he gets these sweatshirts, which are going to be a nice little grace note, where uh, when he goes to his friends, uh, Dookie is the one that he gives it to because he's the one in need of clothes. Here we see our, uh, our hero detectives. Right, getting pulled off the more important case of a, of a protected witness being killed. Uh, to do this so that no one gets embarrassed before the election. Poll duty. Yeah. Here's Carcetti kind of uh, doing his uh, his uh, campaigning. Here we just suggest, remind everybody that he's kind of a dog here. He's, uh, he's not uh, immune from feminine charms, even though he's married. So he's considering this maybe uh, as uh, Reg, uh, Norman Wilson, tries to keep him on the straight and narrow. We have a lovely little moment here, I think, where... Uh, there's a racist constituent that uh, approaches Carcetti here, and right next to uh, Norman makes a terrible racial slur that uh, Carcetti doesn't quite stand up to strongly enough. I mean, you expect politicians to steal. I don't, actually. The game, I understand that. But we took one dollar out of every three. Not two out of three, like these moolies. I mean, leave something for the city, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Am I right? Best of luck, Council. We see him torn. Yeah, Reg has a great little look kind of holding off here. And he's like... <laughs> I mean, Reg gets it, but, uh, you know, Carcetti is caught. Run up, stick him in mailboxes, you know, screen doors. So he's, uh, Randy's come to his friends. There's the getting the sweatshirt. We'll see Randy put it on. He needs it. That's what I'm saying. It's easy money. Randy's trying to get his friends to, to help out. It should have been easier if we had a car. Some little Dang, canard and um, donut. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the donut being the car thief. We'll later see him. The next cut, we'll see them. He's stolen a car as they are driving to their canvassing area. Michael's not interested. Name has been. Ah, this is a scene you were talking about. Poor JD is trying to do right by Weebay, but Naaman is just the worst drug pusher there is. Ain't you? Delana no, tries no. to oh, enforce this. You gonna get this boy his own package, or there gonna be some drama. You want me to talk to Weebay? Maybe you wanna talk to him. I give you his number. He got a cell phone. Oh, that's not even necessary. I got all the respect in the world for Bay. Then show some for his family. <laughs> when when he gets out and he's left on the name is left on the corner Make with Bodie. Uh, that's kind of a classic yeah. moment too. Kind of makes a comment about his ma. I love the beauty of this Damn, photography. Boy. Even though it's Your such blasted landscape, there's still an incredible aesthetic to it. Yeah, give me some insight, though. To what? Why you is what you is. <laughs> if you have a dragon lady as your ma, you're going to be uh, wounded. All right, here's Donut. We had to have... Now, the, the real kid did not drive this. Uh, he's only 13. We had our stuntman actually on the floor operating the pedals, and that was kind of a trick. Everybody's... Uh, but Randy is interested in walking away, getting some food. Randy's trying Yo, to get them to do up? the job. 
And here he makes the mistake of revealing that he's already been paid, which seals the deal. They're done. No, yo, this shit is boring. Fuck it. Yo, listen, man, I ain't even gonna pay you off if y'all finish the job, so. You already got the money? <laughs> oh, Randy just does that little look like, oh, God, why did I say that? Because this is the job. Shit, and man ain't got nobody to blame but himself. It's his fault for paying up front. And here we see again Randy, even in the face of this, uh, you know, lack of values, you could say, is trying to pull it. He sees, look, you know, I told the guy I'd do it, and I'm going to do it. Give me some at least. Lake trout. Soda too? Yeah, strawberry. All right, I got you. And Randy, next cut, schlepping the box up to the doorstep and starting the work. Out of the stolen car. Right. <laughs> The borrowed car. And more signage all over the place. Yeah, one of those signs uh, that we saw in the last scene was by uh, the name of my uh, father-in-law, actually. Yeah. Bill Ah, here's Cuddy again making the moves on yet another attractive mother. And Michael is uh, shadowboxing in the corner, and he's later going to comment on this. Here's Naaman, who... Michael Michael does have what the, gang, what the kids on the street call heart, and... Uh, Naaman knows that and is looking for, for help in selling this this package. Michael's not interested. And you can see Naaman just trying to strut his stuff a little bit, but his heart isn't in it. He just deflates when he hears Michael isn't going to help him. And later we'll see he never even sold it. He just went home. Now we see Cuddy coming over, and uh, he's aware that there's something bugging Michael. Michael's been aloof from him, and... Chad Coleman, the actor playing Cuddy, is trying to—he's trying to relate to Michael, thinking that the fact that he, you know, has all these attractive women he's been with will be actually a selling point to Michael. He's trying to relate to the kid, and then what he learns is uh, Michael doesn't like that. I mean, he ain't been around the gym in like a month, man. I leave messages, he don't call. He's asking about Spider, the, the kid who ran away from him at, on the election day. Or this is election day, but. At the school. Why don't you ask his mom's? Saying, why don't you ask uh, Spider's mom why he's running away from you, and now he's making it clear. And here's here's where Cuddy gets it. He's starting to see, like, he's a model to these kids, and, and he's been abusing that. Chad does such a beautiful job of this. His whole, his whole characterization. Okay, now the... Election evening. Yeah, the energized Carchetti. He's starting to feel things are good. And this is kind of another misdirection. It's like once he sees Davis is put in with Royce, he thinks it's over. Because Davis is the consummate front runner. <laughs> he wants to be with whoever's going to be in power, so this is meant to suggest, uh-oh. He plays both sides of the street, right. all sides after, of the street. After he took their 20 grand. Right. Royce, I, uh, the colors that he has chosen, he uh, was falling behind and has uh, switched the colors from yellow on his uh, campaign literature to uh, what I call the Marcus Garvey colors. And he's taken to wearing uh, African print uh, Kenta cloth uh, ties and uh, in uh, an effort to mobilize his base. Here's Omar uh, getting arrested by... Uh, he, he's strapped, of course, as he always is, and he sees a cop, so he's going to hide his gun so that if the cop stops him, he's not caring. But the cop who does arrest him is uh, kind of a bad guy anyway, and uh, it's going to be a funny little uh, 
thing where the cop, I think this is where he takes Omar's ring, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that ring is one that Omar lifted from Marlowe, which uh, in the next season is actually going to have, uh, or no, I guess it's later in this season, uh, that ring is going to have an interesting journey of its own. Right. Grab the wall. And Omar here, I really... Omar, while he's an outlaw, still really respects the rules of the game. And the rules are being violated here. It's, uh, you know, for him to be pulled in on uh, what he thinks is a minor thing until he realizes it's for a murder or stealing this stealing this ring for what he thinks is a minor offense is just not the game. So Omar really has a code of honor, which I think is what makes him really kind of an appealing intriguing character and we hear that in a variety of exchanges with bunk and other scenes which is why mcnulty knows omar is not likely to be the real killer in this case it's not his style it wouldn't it would be it would lack honor well he would never kill a a citizen or a taxpayer right it just also wouldn't be smart and Omar here is uh, terrified because if Omar gets thrown into the general prison population, so many of those people are his sworn enemies. So he this is them all. yeah, he put them yeah. So here's his here's his terror. He's telling McNulty, please, please get a hold of Butchie, uh, and and McNulty gets it. Four ten, nine five eight. There's a very funny line by uh, Saint Angelo. Right, the, uh, right. We're coming up. Right. Yo, Butchie, I'm locked up, yo. Now I ain't no bail. They saying it's murder. Yeah. Omar understands this, this is uh, critical to his fate. And here we go. Yeah. San Angelo looks with unbelief. Some kind of Democrat or what? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Salcone, who's a Baltimorean. And here's election night, and all the candidates are in their various rooms at their various hotels following the results, and Carcetti is now starting to see maybe he can win, but he's trying to guard against uh, feeling too good about it, which his wife is about to tell him, hey, maybe you can let yourself feel a little better. Here's Royce now starting to get an inkling, and we tried to, you know, show that the Royce suite was much more lavish. I love these scenes. I do, too. I do, too. Glenn is wonderfully subtle in this. Gray, who's really not much of a contender, is kind of playing out the string a bit here. But enough to, he played enough of a role to uh, stri- split the black vote. Right, here's another scene, a wonderful scene moment again How'd with Delanda and and this kind of, she's like lost in this bottle of Jack Daniels, <laughs> lamenting her future, thinking, uh, you gone. know, yeah, you sold that package, right? And he says he did, and the next cut I think we see, no, he didn't. That's the package right on the bed. That There it is right there. He didn't even try. It's brand new. Over the challenges facing this city, such as crime and education. Getting back to his video games. I had actually proposed this to maybe be the last scene of the picture, but it was overruled. Here we have uh, um, Randy at home. And again, it's just so touching to me that we see Randy... A sweet kid doing his work, trying so hard. What about Bond? Here we get some, the good news. Carcetti's starting to get some good, uh, good results. Yeah. 
All right. Talked in a few. Defending against feeling good here. Looks like we might have a new state's attorney. If not a new mayor, by implication. Right. The black guy's beating the white guy. Is what he is. You know what? Let's get out of here for a while. Take a walk. Oh, now this is a wonderful sequence. Our Omar is being led through, as Bill was, you were just saying, the people that he's arrested. They all hate him so much. And uh, now this was a really interesting moment. Uh, Ed Burns was with me on the set on this. And David had impressed upon me that this is the one moment in the whole show we should see a little fear in Omar. And Ed felt strongly, you know what, he would not show fear. If you show fear, you're gone. So we just tried to strike a balance. I did want to get some sense that Omar gets that this is uh, not, a good, not thing. a good thing. And I love, I saved it mainly for this moment here. I love this kind of push-in close-up on him, this beautiful Michael Roberts face is so beautiful here. And uh, hopefully we get that sense. This is uh, the Baltimore cityscape. We shot this a little later. Uh, uh, but I just really wanted to kind of get away from the hubbub of the politics and get a kind of beautiful shot, a little quiet moment with these two getting away from this all. And I love this scene. I love this scene. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Aiden does a remarkable job here. I, I love how when he hears the news that he won, he's frozen. We have no idea how he feels about it. Again. Kind of understand. He has no idea. He has no, exactly, <laughs> and and I think that speaks to how daunting a task it is to assume any role leadership in this society, particularly in a as difficult and conflicted a place as Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> so by his whole affect, you have no idea whether he's just hearing that he lost or he won, or the Orioles lost or the Orioles won. <laughs> On our way. Royce is conceding. The West Side precincts came in and we pulled two out of five votes in some precincts. Which means 40% of the black place. community is unbelievable. Unbelievably we good. <laughs> Are we happy about that? <laughs> I think so. I think we are. I have to. I have to tell you, the skyline there is just—it looks like a—you you painted it. You know what yeah, I mean? It, just, it was a beautiful night. I was most worried that the night before it was really overcast. Sure? I was worried the clouds were going to be covering that, but we got lucky. And here's election night party and uh, trying to create a excitement as much as we can. The candidate comes in. I thought this is a great scene. I Thank really, you. Yeah, yeah. You just had that. I had this kind of documentary feel to it. This handheld kind of stuff, and I love this kind of shot over his back, his point of view. And I mean, the energy was, yeah. was just yeah. on, dead on. And Aiden, Aiden really did a, yeah. a great job. Here. Yeah, yeah. Like three o'clock in the morning, we right, shot this. Councilman Gray, they were very gracious. They asked for their help. I mean, we still have a general election to win. That's a little joke because the uh, Democrats outnumber the uh, Republicans right. nine to one. Yeah, that's totally a formality. But assuming that we win, we still have we still have a lot of work to do to turn this city around. We need everyone 
everyone who's willing to join us in making a better Baltimore for our children. That was uh, Teresa we saw, right? That cutaway, she's the uh, campaign advisor. That was Brand- uh, Brandy Burr, yeah, I Brandy believe. Burr. Yeah, yeah. Who will play a... Terry D'Agostino. Yeah, Terry D'Agostino. She's, she's uh, got an interesting part here, which the final scene of the episode will be mm-hmm. pretty interesting. We love. I love this selection of theme song. We were able to get it cleared before, but this great "We Are Family" kind of thing, kind of ringing through everybody's ears, and and Carcetti glad-handing, going through the gauntlet of congratulations, and there's Marilyn uh, Affleck who plays the councilwoman. Council president. Gonna, yeah. Now this is a. Uh, Maybe the stupidest move she, this wife could have made to leave Carcetti on election night alone, but we had to set that. So I love this moment with Clay Davis, who betrayed yeah. them, and Carcetti hates his guts, but there's just something so irrepressibly likable in a, in a way. Davis is just shameless, shifting with the tides, that he winds up actually making Norman Wilson laugh and actually even winning over Carcetti momentarily. Drinking his liquor. Yeah. <laughs> And here's Omar fearing uh, it's over, uh, and these two guys coming in. Um, two really big guys. Two really big guys. Um, Donnie Andrews. And Donnie, Donnie, and these are the real thing. Donnie is the real thing. Donnie may have been the model for, for Omar himself in any case. This man right here was uh, also arrested by Ed Burns, and he did a lot of Omar-type things. Yeah. And we're going to reveal... Uh, Butchie sent us. Butchie sent him. And it's kind of funny. What he says? What are you in for? I'm here on the 2255. I talk back. Stuart <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pervy. He's uh, he's our security guy. Yeah, isn't he? yeah. yeah right. <laughs> on the set. And here's election night, and the, the wonderful Reg doing this, just just letting it all hang out here. You didn't call him on it. The ironies of democracy. And it's been very lovely all through this campaign how Reg uh, Norman has been very close to the vest. He's never admitted that he's voted, that he's going to even vote for Carcetti. And here, too, he doesn't. Right. He says the last last white man I voted for was Bobby Kennedy. (laughs) In another episode, and here he's saying, you know, I don't have to tell you who I voted for. And this uh, this is just a, you know, I love the feeling of this scene. It just feels like the end of a campaign, the end of a long, long night where dangerous things can happen between a man and a woman, things that aren't supposed to happen. And, Ter- and Terry D'Agostino, who we saw, actually, she was introduced to having a wild affair with McNulty in season two, was it, I think? I'm not sure. Uh, three. Three, yeah. Uh, so we know she's game, and uh, here she's going to come on to uh, Carcetti and... With whom they've had, uh, she's had a relationship years and years ago. That's right. And uh, this is Carcetti now uh, starting to kind of feel the mantle of the office and starting to tell himself things about what should he do, what shouldn't he do. I do. Cheers. Where is the lovely Megan Anderson, Mrs. Carcetti? You know, job, you promised me a win bonus. Well, you earned it. I mean, it was a very nice bit of acting from both of them. I mean, we just really wanted to demonstrate 
wanted him to, you know, show how passionate and sensual he is and how, how hard it is to turn her down. It's just, I, I love this breakaway. It's almost like he doesn't even know what's driving him away. Come on, Tommy. You haven't changed. <laughs> Hell, from what Norman tells me, you nearly fell off the campaign trail for a blonde. That's a reference to he was having affairs that they had to cover up along the way. So this is even more of a rejection in a certain sense. You're feeling a bit mayor. But I love her strength too that she doesn't uh, there's no wound or hurt here. She's uh, she's pretty tough herself. time for a fellow like you. This could be your last chance for a while. So this is setting up meant to set up intrigue for what kind of a mayor Carcetti's going to be. Maybe he is really going to be, I don't know, Prince Hal becoming Henry the Fourth, the Fifth. You know, who knows? You sure? Maybe you have learned something. I love counterpointing this quiet scene to end the show on with all the hubbub of the campaign and everything else that's happened. The party's over. Yeah, and it's just beginning. There's not a whole lot to say about that scene, is there? <laughs> I know. I know. I gotta say, it's tough to go out on a lot of silence, but I think it's uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, it was fun for me to watch it. It was fun for me to watch the whole episode again. Right. And uh, I'm just reminded of what a fantastic uh, show this The Wire is. I think the best show on television, just treating so many important, interesting issues, characters that aren't, that just don't show up on uh, on television normally, and accorded dignity and complexity and nuance that uh, they have and and deserve to have dramatized. It's a really phenomenal achievement, and I, I feel so grateful, really, to. Uh, to be able to contribute to it and participate in it. There's wow. just so much talent around around this show involved with it. We're glad you're... Uh, we're oh, glad thanks. You, we're glad you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a good episode. So that's it? That's it, I guess so.